Shalom, welcome to Tanakh Study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut. And uh, today we're going to complete Parashat Lech Lecha, Be'ezrat Hashem, uh, by studying Perak Yudzai in chapter 17, the Parsha of Brit Mila. We just left Avraham after the birth of Yishmael. Yishmael has been named, and Avraham was 86 years old when Yishmael was born. And we open Perak Yudzai in Pasuk Aleph, chapter 17, verse 1, with the following information. Avram was 99 years old. God appeared to Avram and said, I am El Shaddai, a new name for God, a name which is only used in divine promises. Walk before me and be Tamim. Be perfect. And I am going to place my covenant between me and you. And I am going to multiply you exceedingly. And Avram fell on his face. This is the opening to the parasha of Brit Mila. Uh, and... I wanted to, there's a certain irony here, because God is saying, walk before me and be perfect. And of course, he is going to perfect Avraham by actually making him imperfect. You know, usually when we have a korban, a korban is called setamim. Uh, you have a, a korban, let's say a, a, a sheep, and the sheep has to be tamim. It has to be perfect in every way. That means it mustn't have any physical flaw. Here Avram is actually going to undergo surgery and yet walk before me and be perfect. And this reminds me of the famous Talmudic passage um, which tells of a interesting conversation between Turnus Rufus, the wicked Roman torturer who tortured Rabbi Akiva, but frequently engaged in theological discussions with those same rabbis. And the story goes like this, I'll read it in English. Uh, Turnus Rufus the wicked asked Rabbi Akiva, whose works are superior, those of HaKadosh Baruch Hu or those of human beings? In other words, who, who creates better things? Rabbi Akiva responded and said, those of flesh and blood are superior. In other words, what human beings have is superior to God. Tanus Rufus said to him, why are you circumcised? Which is really what the question's about. And Rabbi Akiva brings him a sheet, sheaves of wheat, and on the other hand, some bread. And he says to him, these, the wheat, are the works of the Holy One, and these are the works of flesh and blood. Are the latter not superior? In other words, would you prefer raw grain, or would you prefer bread? God made the grain, but human beings made the bread. I'm sure you prefer bread. Therefore, the works of humans are superior. Turner Struve said to him, If God desires circumcision, why does a person not exit his mother's womb circumcised? Rabbi Kiva says to him, And why does he exit with his umbilical cord attached? Does his mother not sever it? Why is he born not, not born circumcised? Because the Holy One gave us commandments in order to refine us through them. And that is what Rabbi Akiva says. Rabbi Akiva is saying something very, very deep. First of all, it seems here that there is a discussion between Rabbi Akiva and Turnus Rufus 
about uh, sort of naturalism, whether everything in the world is a perfect reflection of God. And Rabbi Kiva is arguing that in the same way as human beings are given raw material to make bread out of wheat, similarly, we have to work upon ourselves and we have to transform even our own bodies by giving our bodies uh, circumcision and that way becoming more perfect. I'm dwelling on this because I I am puzzled or, or, or intrigued by the language. Aniel Shaddai hitalech lefanai walk before me and become perfect. And we're at the end of Parshat Lech Lecha. And this verb Lech Lecha, this notion of walking, has come up in virtually every single chapter. We started off with the initial instruction Lech Lecha. Uh, walk for yourself, go, go forth to the land which I show you. In the next chapter 13, we had come walk through, through the land. In the next uh, chapter 15, we had Avram feeling I am going nowhere. I am going to childlessness. And here we see that God is saying, Avram is always walking. And what walking means is that he's always growing. He's always developing. He is moving to a point of perfection. Walk before me and make yourself perfect. And how is he doing that? He is refining himself. He is working on himself. In this parak, in this chapter, we're going to see an announcement that Avram's name is going to be changed, that Avram's physical body is going to be changed, but not only Avram, that Sarah, Sarai is going to change to Sarah, and that her body, as she says in next uh, week's parsha, I'm already post-menopausal. I know within my physicality that I cannot have children am I going to be renewed and indeed she is renewed and it's almost as if Avram and Sarai are growing younger how should I say it they're growing younger they are engaging in halicha in walking and this walking is a process of progress where they are growing and refining and making themselves more perfect and that's exactly what's happening here. This is a watershed for the story of Avraham. Avraham's, we don't know the backstory on Avraham. We know that Avraham was told to walk. And each stage that he walks, he becomes, become more and more perfect. Let's keep reading through the chapter and see how this manifests itself. Avraham has fallen on his face at this promise when God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Again, this must be puzzling for Avram. He's already heard of a covenant from God, the Brit Ben Abitarim. What covenant does God want to make this time? That will be, make you so numerous. Whichever way, Avram doesn't wait for the details. He falls on his face in thanks, but now we'll see the details. Pasuk Gimel, verse 3. God speaks to him and says, I am making my covenant with you. You are going to be a father of many nations. Avhamon Goyim sounds like Avraham. 
Your name won't be Avram. Vayashimcha Avraham. I'm adding a hey to your name. Uh, they're interesting. Ki avhamon goyim netaticha, because I made you a father of great nations. What exactly is the hey in Avraham? Some have suggested that the hey is putting Hashem's name into his name. Others have said that this is a sort of acronym for Avhamon Goyim. Others have suggested that Avram was a Mesopotamian name, and now he's giving him, so to speak, a Jewish name. But we frequently find that when somebody gets an upgrade, their name is changed. We know, God changed Hoshea's name to Yehoshua. We know that Pharaoh changes Yosef's name to Tzofnat Paneach. Um, when a person comes to a new stage, a stage which takes them to a higher, more elevated place, sometimes they are given a new name. And maybe that's to explain the hey. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it is indeed God's uh, letter inside each of their names, but maybe it is merely uh, God almost showing his ownership of Avram, showing his association with Avram, as he says that I'm going to put my covenant, he does this by changing Avram's name to Avraham and Sarai's name to Sarai. I'm going to make you very fruitful. I'm going to make you into nations. You're going to have kings coming from you. Notice that God says, he's continually saying, nations are going to come from you. In other words, you're not only going to be the father of the Jewish people, but the father of other nations as well. And we're going to see this in very, very clear detail when we get to Bereshit chapter 25. I'm going to set up my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you for all time an everlasting covenant I'm going to be your God and your offspring in the future I will give you and your offspring the land of your sojournings the whole of the land of Canaan is going to be your holding. Achuza from Achiza. Achuza from the word to hold on to something. It's going to be your holding. I'm going to be a God to them. What exactly is this covenant here? We've already had a covenant. And I would say that the Brit bin Habatarim and the Brit Milah form two parallel covenants. And let me explain. Brit bin Habatarim the covenant which we had in chapter 15 is a covenant which is historical. It's only going to be realized in the future, in 400 years. Brit Milah, here in chapter 17, is going to be realized now. Brit Bin Abatarim is, is, is a national covenant which relies on the whole nation coming back, the Dora Vi'i the fourth generation coming back. Brit Milah is personal. It is going to be intimate. In other words, Brit bin Habatarim is, is a grand historical sweep. But this covenant, Brit Milah, is personal. It's going to relate to the organ of reproduction, to the very physicality of the body. Whereas Brit bin Habatarim in chapter 15 was relating to the body politic of the nation as a whole. 
I'd say even more than that. The land which is promised in Brit Ben Abitarim in chapter 15 was the land which the Jewish people will eventually capture. And in fact, the borders given there are so huge from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates that they were never re- it never really happened in history except for during the time of David and Shlomo. What God's saying there is, I give you permission to capture this land however much you can, depending on how many people you have. But the land which is promised in this Brit Milah is Eretz Megurecha, the land of your sojourning, Avraham, at Eretz Canaan. Eretz Canaan has very specific borders. And we're not here talking about what we might call Greater Israel or anything like that. Here we're given intimate borders. So therefore, this is an intimate, personal covenant. And one last thing. Brit bin Habatarim in chapter 15 demanded nothing of Avraham. Avraham didn't need to do anything. God promised the land, but nothing was demanded of Avraham. Brit Milah relies on an active engagement, father to son, generation after generation, of engaging in this covenant. Now the truth is that the covenant is really that God will multiply the people and that he will set up a covenant between them and give them the land. But now God continues, and I'm reading from uh, Pasuk Tet, by verse 9. Now, Avraham, observe my covenant. Your, you and your seed after you. This is the covenant that you should observe between me and you, and between uh, me and your offspring after you. You have to circumcise every male child. And you shall circumcise the foreskin of your flesh. This will be the symbol of the covenant, the sign of the covenant. And every child of eight days old, um, you must circumcise each of your male children in every generation. Whether they are born in your home or even your slaves, who even non-Jews, you have to circumcise all those born in your household. My covenant will be in your flesh. Um, this is what we are uh, being told in this chapter. Now we want to say a little bit about, I think, uh, circumcision. Because what exactly is this symbol? And what we might want to say is that um, circumcision marks Am Yisrael as partners with Hashem. You know, we're familiar with the idea that uh, a slave who wants to be a slave beyond seven years, the master will take him to the doorpost and will pierce his ear. And this was familiar in the ancient world that a a master would make a mark on a slave, would brand their slave. Hashem here is, if you want, marking his people, uh, identifying the members of his, of, of, of his nation uh, with a sort of sign branded into the flesh of Hashem's partners. Now, whereas other ancient cultures 
would uh, engage in circumcision, but they do it as a, I don't know, maybe a purification ritual before marriage. Certain cultures, before a, a, a man got married, would circumcise himself. Here, the circumcision takes place at eight days, and the the text here is very specific that it has to be done in eight days. And I, I want to say something about this. First of all, let's say this. God chooses the re reproductive organ um, in order to, to, to brand the flesh. Uh, because for a covenant to be eternal, and the covenant he's talking about here, he keeps on saying the Zaracha Harecha. It's going to be transmitted from generation into generation. Now, since this has to be done at eight days old, this can't, I can't do it to myself. A father has to do it to his child. And therefore, two generations are drawn into this covenant simultaneously. The father, who is obligated to perform circumcision on the son, and the child being circumcised. And this generates a cycle that repeats itself. And I'll say more than that. It is the reproductive organ which is being branded. Again, understanding that this is about the path of generations. So when a father performs circumcision on his son, he's actually branding the re reproductive organ, which is even a connection with the third generation, because that is the organ which is going to then create further and further generations. So this is about continuity. When God says, for our belt, I'm going to, you know, the, the phrases used here are Peru or Avu, be fruitful and multiply. What Hashem is saying that in some way he is setting Avram's household apart from the rest of humanity. And that's why I'm saying this is a, a watershed in so many ways, because at this point we haven't heard it yet. God is going to announce the birth of Yitzchak, and the birth of Yitzchak is going to come from a renewed Avraham. Avraham is going to renew himself through this circumcision of the reproductive organ. Sarai, who has reached a point where she is so old that she is postmenopausal, is now going to go back in time and begin menstruating again. Again, she, her reproduction is sort of being refreshed and renewed. Avram is going to change to Avraham. Sarai is going to change to Sarah. And in this new situation, set apart even in Avraham's flesh, Yitzchak is going to be born, who indeed is going to be the beginning of a new people. And this is how the chapter continues. Perak Yuzayin, Pasuk Tetvav. Vayom Elohim al Avraham, Sarai, Shtecha, Lotikrat Shema Sarai. Sarai, your wife, will not be, any more be called Sarai, ki Sarah Shema. Her name from now on is Sarah. So he's changed Avram's name, and now he's changed Sarai's name. Uverachti Ota, I'm going to bless her. Vegam Natati Mimenelachaben. And also, I'm going to give from her to you a son. She's going to have a son from you. Um, princes, uh, kings, sorry, kings of nation are going to come to you from her. And now, for the second time in the chapter, Avram bows down. He 
he falls on his face. The first time it was a genteel action as an expression of thanks to God for his great praises. I think this time we know it's an action of incredulousness. And how do I know that? Because Vayipol Avram al-Panav, he falls down on his face, Vayitzchak, and he laughs. A person laughs when something surprising happens. You know, the art of humor, the art of a comedian, is to come up with the line of the unexpected. And if when Avram falls on his face, Vayitzchak, and he laughs, Vayomer and he says in his heart, Halaven <laughs> I'm a hundred years old, how can I father a child and Sarah's 90 she's not going to have a baby so this is the big surprise by the way it's fascinating that God talks to Avram when he's 99 years old it's a strange age 99 I would expect if you're already going to talk at 99 talk to him at 100 but it's clear that the key event which is going to happen here is not Avram's circumcision it's not Avram's change of name it's not Sarai's change of name it is the birth of Yitzchak which is going to happen at that round number at the age of 100 and all of this is preparing for that generational thing to happen for the new generation for Yitzchak and as I say that is why this act of refinement is taking place on the organ of reproduction and all of that before Avram can even engage in this new child he says verse 18 will Yishmael live before you the important thing is that Sarai your wife is going to have a child Avram don't go off the point don't worry about Yishmael by the way we can see Avram's in turmoil he thought Yishmael was the son and suddenly he hears about a new one he he doesn't know where to put himself and God says no Sarai your wife is going to have a child to you and you'll call him Yitzchak Yitzchak from Avram's laughter Yitzchak means the unexpected one the absurd one he's called because of Avram's laughter but Avram's laughter expresses the impossibility of it all the surprise the the absurdity of having a child at age 90 and 100 God says I'm going to establish my covenant with him forever yes don't worry about Ishmael I've heard you I've already blessed him he's going to be you know very very fruitful he doesn't know, Avram doesn't know, but Hagar has already been blessed in this direction. He's also going to have Yishmael will have 12 princes. Here's something really interesting, that Ishmael is going to have 12 princes. Of course, Avraham is going to have a family of 12. In Parashat Vayera, we're going to see that the Nahor side of the family also have 12 uh, sons. I'm not quite sure what it means when we say that every branch of the family have 12. But here, Ishmael will be blessed. He'll be fruitful and multiply. He will indeed have 12 Nesi'im, 12 princes. And I'm going to make him into a great nation. Vetbriti. So Ishmael's going to be great. Pruravu, he's going to have 12 princes. He's going to become a great nation. But he is not the covenantal child. Because the covenantal child can only come from... Avram and Sarai together. I'm going to establish with Yitzchak that in another year Sarah is going to 
um, give birth to you. Uh, th this is a tremendously significant point um, that I want to say here, which is that here we understand that the covenant is not only from Abraham, but the covenant is very, very much from Sarai, or as she's now called here, Sarah. And now we understand why we have to have a second covenant, not just Brit bin Habatarim, but Brit Milah. Because Brit Milah relates to Avram and Sarai equally. Uh, now they're both blessed. They are a covenantal couple. And now we learn that it's not just Avram who is the chosen one, but Sarah as well. And from now on, we're going to see that uh, this is not just about Avram the hero, but Avram and Sarah. Sarah is an indispensable part of this bond. Always the mother is indispensable, but she's indispensable clearly in terms of her qualities, in terms of the way she's going to nurture Yitzchak uh, into the future. Let's finish the chapter. Elohim. And Avram took Ishmael his son and all the slaves born in his household and all those that he purchased, every male amongst the people of Avram's household, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin on that very day as God had spoken to him. But Avraham bent his And Avraham was 99 years old when he performed Brit Milah. And Ishmael was 13 when he was circumcised. On that very day, Avram was circumcised and Ishmael his son. And all those born in his household and those purchased even from Bnei Nechar, from foreigners, were circumcised with him. Of course, there's a certain irony here that Brit Milah is something which expresses the continuity of the Jewish people, but Avram is now told that even non-Jews have to be circumcised if they are part of his household, if they are slaves acquired by him. Having said that, I'd like to summarize this chapter by saying that this is a watershed moment for a very simple reason, because now we've discovered, and now I think Avram and Sarah, dis well, actually Sarah doesn't know about this yet, but now Avram discovers for the first time that the promise he's been hearing for the last 24 years, Avram does Lech Lecha at age 75, and he's now 99, and he was told from the beginning, to your seed, I will give this land to your offspring. It's now going to happen through Sarah. Avram and Sarah together are going to be part of the covenant. I always wonder whether he waited indeed for this age that they're at in order to express the absurdity, the against all odds history of the Jewish people. Uh, we are, of course, a nation who have survived against all probability, uh, against the laws of nature, and yet we're still here, Baruch Hashem. And maybe the idea of waiting this long till almost the point where 
Who would have thought that Avram and Sarai could have a child? Avram falls on the floor and laughs at the absurdity of it all. Indeed, that is the key to Jewish survival. The other key to Jewish survival is, of course, this notion of the covenant that we pass forward to our children and to their children after that, a certain tradition, a certain covenant. And uh, we're going to see in next week's parsha in Perak Yudchet, the famous scene with the three angels, where, as if we've mentioned that Avram and Sarah are a covenantal couple, notice God has only spoken to Avram. Shouldn't God actually tell Sarah that she is going to have a child? Well, indeed, that's what the three angels come to do. They come to visit Avraham, but in fact to tell Sarai that she is going to have a child. If they are a covenantal couple, then they both have to hear independently from the Almighty. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and we'll see each other next week for Parshat Vayera.